Welcome back. Live from the ATX is back at it with another interview live from DreamHack Austin 2018. Uh, we've been promising a lot of exclusive content and a lot of stuff that you weren't going to see anywhere else. And we are delivering on a very high level today. Uh, probably the one interview that I've most anticipated the entire time we've been here is this one. Right now, I am joined by the masterminds behind Game Changers, Dreams of BlizzCon, John Keating and Peter Billingsley. Uh, the film is a Wild West Productions film. It is a documentary that is being released on June 12th through Amazon Prime, Google Play, and iTunes. And let me tell you, it is probably one of the most complex and just roller coaster ride documentaries I've seen in recent times. It's an honor to be inter interviewing you guys and picking your brain about it. Uh, if you can, introduce yourselves and what you did on the film. Uh, I'm Peter Billingsley. I'm the producer of the film. Mm -hmm. I'm John Keating, and I directed the film. Very cool. Uh, I'm going to just start right off with you right out of the gate. Uh, two messages in this. Game changers. It's about uh, MMA and MC, two of the most world-renowned StarCraft II players, uh, basically highlighting and documenting their, their trial and their journey through the 2014 uh, World Championship Series League for uh, StarCraft II. And it essentially came to a, to a, a halt at, uh, at BlizzCon, which is what they were basically putting all their time, effort, energy into. And you guys captured it in the most dynamic and just respective way. The game and then the uh, personal story. And you made a comment, John, right when we started talking a little bit ago, that uh, it's almost not important unless you're focusing on the story. Mm -hmm. So right out of the gate, what drove you guys to make the film the way it was? And what drove you guys to position it to the audience the way that you did with the details, how it was laid out? Okay. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I uh, brought this film to Peter, uh, I, was, uh, I was really uh, amazed by the impact that this one single game had had on Korea and the culture, the pop culture there. I mean, if you look back at what happened when StarCraft was released and what coincided with the PC bong movement there, also known as an internet cafe, but there it was a, it was a movement. It was a frenzy and it changed the world in a way that we didn't really understand and we don't even, we're just now understanding now the profound impact of this one game on a country and and for us it was understanding that there was this pc bond culture that grew up and for us we wanted to find two kids that grew up in this pc bond culture and and find out let's hear their stories let's hear their stories about how they their road to becoming championships and or champions and you find out that they used starcraft in esports to lift themselves out of poverty and there's that right there is an incredible story and you know for us it was no turning back we had to be about starcraft it had to focus. If you're going to tell about a story about esports, it's got to be about StarCraft. And he brought this home to you. What, what grabbed you about it? Well, yeah, I, I was probably the perfect audience because I'm not a gamer. Um, you know, I'm not a, a big esports guy. I sort of have always looked at it um, curiously and respected the culture and the dedication of the players. But John and Zach's approach to the movie was... Um, it's going to be a very mainstream story. We're going to follow players pursuing their dreams. This happens to be the pursuit of esports. So it made me think of other documentaries like Spellbound about the spelling bee, yes, right? Yes, yes. Made me think of these Somalia documentary where they're chasing the title of you know being able to graduate and, and have a degree in wine. Even Hoop Dreams, which is about basketball, and all those movies, they're not for basketball fans or wine fans or spelling bee fans. Um, they're human stories of people pursuing their dream and looking at the human aspect behind it, 
the sacrifices, everything that goes into that. So that was very appealing because I love those movies, and I think a lot of people do. Even the short game, the film about kids and golf. You know, you don't have to be a golfer. So in here, you don't have to be an esports enthusiast. If you are, you get incredible insight and the memories of what that journey was. And if you aren't, I think you get the first real look at what this world is and what it takes to make it in this world. I think that speaks a lot to the film that you were able to not be a fan of esports and it still has some sort of relevance to you and, and how, what you think a great story is. How long have you been an esports fan? You know, I started off, uh, we made a World of Warcraft documentary called Race to World First years ago. And that's how I uh, discovered StarCraft. It was, I had to research, somebody had referenced a team house and I had to go and research, research what that was. And when I did, I was like, oh my God, I want to make this movie. Um, so that's, that's, where it, that's where it all started. So as far as loving, being a, a fan of esports, first and foremost, that's not what it was. It was, I was a fan, I was a fan of this impact of this game. And I was, I wanted to tell a story in this space because look at that look at the changes it was causing a single game you know that's absurd and gaming was even more trivialized then than it is now i mean much more trivialized and so uh, that was one of the challenges moving forward but it was also um you know my my perception my uh involvement in esports really became uh an interest in its history and and that's i think that was the other thing too i there there's been some movies on esports and i think people took an ironic look at the world or, or, or almost inadvertently made fun of it because they don't understand it or they'd look at esports athletes like they're odd or different. And these guys just really wanted to approach it as though they're very dedicated um, kids who are trying to get the dream of a world title and who can't relate to that. So whatever your pursuit is in life, PC bombs back uh, in Korea, what those were were essentially internet cafes on steroids. Mm -hmm. And the important impact of uh, the Korea has on the esports, not just esports, but gaming world in general, is enormous. And uh, StarCraft is kind of the backbone of that. Mm -hmm. And you you get that a lot with MMA's story and with MCs, I guess, particularly not, you know, feeling like that's the only place that he felt like he could fit in. Um, but you get two completely different characters. Like they have the same story, the same strive to kind of find a connection. Uh, but you have kind of the older one, MMA, and the up and coming one that's trying to prove his his stake in this in this battlefield. And you see the complexity of the lives that they live, and they they match, but at the same time, very different. Mm -hmm. One of the things that blew me away was that uh, MMA is considered old. Mm -hmm. Right, or almost out of shape yeah. if you win the East Coast World, yeah. and he's only 27, or he was 27 at the time. Mm -hmm. And to, to me, one, that was an immediate reference to actual sports, not that esports isn't, but you, you did mention that it, it was trivialized at one point, mm -hmm. gaming was, right? Well, that culture to me is completely shifted, and it's no longer trivialized. It's just on a, on a, on a climb to being mainstream, just mm -hmm. as mainstream as anything else. And when you go sure. to statistics about it being uh, you know, more profitable than NHL and, and uh, beating the U.S. Open in terms of like ticket sales and pricing and things like that. Uh, you know, this is uh, a community and, and a movement that's established. Now it's just where it goes from there. This documentary speaks to that and it also speaks to where gaming was a hobby. It's now a perfection and it's something that people strive to be the best at. It's not just something you can be friends anymore. When you guys approached that, was there any fear that you were going to run into the the setbacks that it comes to maybe putting somebody in a position? Because they're essentially legends 
before you guys made the film, but they're also now getting this this even more public eye. And they were essentially, well, at least for MMA, it was kind of on its way out when we mm -hmm. did the documentary. So were you afraid that you maybe weren't going to get what you were looking for out of it? Or did you have your sights set on just developing the product and or the film and being able to be focused on? Well, I mean, M&A, the, the reason that we, we focused on him is because he sat down in an interview for the first time with us, and he said, was, he was the first person to say, I want to win BlizzCon. Nobody else, everybody else ducked it. Everybody else, well, uh, maybe I could win BlizzCon. Or, uh, I want to. He, was, he just looked us in the eye, looked us in the camera, I want to win BlizzCon. I want to hoist that trophy. I want to taste victory like I did that time. When we got that interview from, us, from, from him, we were like, okay, this is our guy, yeah. Uh, you know, and MC was just, a, that was an obvious choice. Of course you pick MC. He's the, the guy that, you know, in, in Korea, everybody's very shy and retired and you get these polite commentary. And that's, what <laughs> and, and yeah, that's well, the norm. He reminded me of like Conor McGregor in MMA. He For sure. Yeah, he's just a lot of them, but that's the kind of stuff that sells esports now. He's beloved. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just him. It's not an act. It's know, not it's an act. like a natural thing. <laughs> That's authentically who he is. So mm -hmm. you have a great personality. You kind of—it's almost like a movie in a way. Right. You have this great personality, secondary character, and you have this lead who's sort of like you know Rocky almost. Who's mm -hmm. this guy who's kind of you know thinks he's too old? Is he over the hill? Does he yes. still have what it takes? Mm -hmm. You know to to <laughs> to challenge for that title. Mm -hmm. And so you have kind of very traditional, almost narrative, mythic story elements within it. Um, as two characters to pick to go through. I think we're very fortunate mm -hmm. with what the outcome was, obviously, of MMA um, and how far he got you know, yeah, to get yeah, down yeah. to those finals and to be competing for the title. The beginning of the movie was a little different. Mm -hmm. It was like, all right, and then a guy hooked me. I was probably the best writer I've ever been. That really, really uh, stood out to me. But what also stood out to me was MC's kind of cockiness to where he really thought he was the best. And mm -hmm. yet he, he kind of knew, knowingly didn't put into the effort, it seemed, mm -hmm. or didn't like take it 100% seriously. Mm -hmm. Maybe that little bit of reservation. Did you guys have any insight onto that, on why that was? Or was that just kind of part of his character as well? Because he, I mean, he was one of the best. Why not have that confidence in his? Well, uh, MC, now in hindsight, having seen the film, his, his, his one comment to us the other day, and I think it's pretty insightful, is that he regret, he has a lot of regret. You know, he looks back at this film and it highlights that regret. He looks back at what he should have done. And he went on to become a coach and he heard himself saying things like, uh, work harder, you have to work harder. And he, he heard these things coming out of his mouth and he remembered hearing them as a kid in these, you know, from hearing that from his coach. And now all of a sudden he's saying it. And he, he realized that, you know, A, the coach isn't really important in the scene. It's the, it's the player's mind. It's one of his, you know, that's, it's, that's what's key. And also that he regrets not having pushed harder, you know, and, and don't, you don't want to wrap up your careers with regret. So it, there's even more story after the film. But that's a classic thing in any sport, right? Mm -hmm. You get to the top and then how do you sustain it? Mm -hmm. Right. How do you, can you maintain? That's why the greatest of all time mm -hmm. have so many, right. Repeated trophies. And a lot of guys can win a major championship in golf or tennis and you see, and then they're, unable to sustain it. You see it in boxing constantly. With individualized sports, like team sports, not so much, or you might have like one or two. But in individualized sports, sports, absolutely. Combat sports, tennis, yeah, and they, they wear very All that drive to get you there, and in his case, the mom, the poverty, the yes. tragedy that he experienced as a human being, and then you reach the pinnacle, then how do you sustain it? You almost believe I'm good enough. 
I don't have to practice. I'm the best in the world. And so it's that cautionary tale of, you know, you get, you, you get in life what you put into it. And I think mm-hmm. it's insightful that he can recognize it in himself because yep. at the time he couldn't. And that was very authentic. Mm-hmm. The times he wasn't practicing, we didn't manipulate the documentary to really give yeah, a perception. Really even went to talk to a mentor beforehand and said, I kind of, he knew he needed a jolt. His coach knew he needed a jolt. Said this, he's got to work harder. Mm-hmm. And he unfortunately got the result, I think, that puts into it. But probably, you know, makes him a better coach because he's now suffered the defeat of that as a person and he can speak from experience. Mm-hmm. Say, if you don't practice, you'll wind up like me in 2014. Well, he quit. He's, he's now no longer a coach. He quit. He's oh, going to be a caster. Because yeah. I was going to touch on, he, he had a lot of the detailed experience when he was training in Germany. Like, he really mm-hmm. touched on the training regimen. And I, was it your guys' idea, this is kind of a sidebar topic, but was it your guys' idea to, uh, get at the very beginning when they're uh, basically like stretching out, talking about the environment being really important. They need to kind of be isolated. You know, they have their regimen where they train for two hours. They'll go and do lunch. They train for another four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the stretching, the movement, their posture. You know, they're, they're loosening up. Uh, I'm I'm a big proponent of health and fitness mm-hmm. uh, surrounding esports because it's and we actually work with a couple of people that are pretty involved with that. Uh, was it your guys' idea to highlight that? Because that's an aspect that I don't think a lot of people touch yeah. on, but that's one of those strengths that I think esports should really focus on. You know, honestly, I was inspired by pumping iron there. Oh, okay. You remember? Yes, Did yes, you yes, see yes. the Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. and the ballet? I was like, we can do that here yes, with this scene. And it opens the movie. Oh. And, and you know, I mean, it sort of sets the tone. That connects with people, but to me, I'm like, yes, that's, that's, the, hundred, that's the reps that you have to put in before you have your game. Well, that's to me, it says as the first scene it's like okay take this world seriously yes. you know take you're you're instantly the very first thing you see is stretching preparation and you hear a coach if you closed your eyes he could be talking about a professional soccer team a, f- a professional football team a big mainstream sport anything mm-hmm. and you realize it's esports and if they're taking it seriously then i think you begin to take it seriously as an audience right i should dial in here like these guys are really committed and it was about sort of absolving, looking at it as though it's some oddity. This is a very serious community of competitors, and we really wanted to make a film that highlighted that. Yeah, uh, and you guys did so beautifully. And I think that um, I think that if there's anything that really got me invested in it and really grabbed my attention, it's how you guys tied in the personal aspects. And I know you guys said you had your characters, and, and they were the right fit. Uh, you guys mentioned specifically the socioeconomic state of Korea, right? And how crucial it is and how important it is for uh, there to be productivity out of people there in the sense that they either got to work, do their military service, um, and provide for themselves because it is strenuous and it is hard on people. Specifically, MC's mom and her kind of, I don't know if I'd call it a midlife crisis, but it was definitely like an existential, uh, you know, point of giving up. And that on being put on MC and how he handled it. I thought he handled it well. He was very committed to making money for his family. Um, but is it is it like that in all aspects, or is it just extra difficult because it is esports and it might be harder? So even though that's such a big thing in Korea, you would figure that that's probably a, a game changer over there, and it was for them. But I mean, how hard is the the situations over there for people in the sense that? I mean, are they really breaking down like that constantly and, and having these rational thoughts of not wanting to continue? And you can kind of talk with MMA's dad a little bit. So mm-hmm. it's apparent. Well, you know, it, it, everybody's everybody's got a different place in their, uh, you know, in, in their 
role in society. But I think that they just had a desperate circumstance. And, you know, he had a tragic loss of his father at one. And, you know, that playing into the being poor and that sort of thing, I think what's unique about both of, both of these have that in common because MMA grew up poor as well. His father right. was committed to being a priest. So, you know, every year they were getting into a smaller and smaller apartment in place, and, and that was part of the resentment, you know. And um, I think that, you know, I don't really know much about what's common there, but I know in these stories, these particular stories, you can see directly that esports is responsible for lifting this guy out of poverty. And I think that, I think that's fascinating. I mean, you know, and it's also, uh, you know, validation of what he did and what he accomplished. And, and I think it's admirable the way he gave all that money to his mom. And, you know, in Korea, that's what you do. You give your money to your family. Okay. And so, he would say stuff like that's a given. And I would hear that and I'm not from Korea. And I would think, oh, that's not a given. You're really just giving all your money to your mom. And I found that fascinating. So it gets highlighted because of that. And I'm like, this is just an incredible amount of compassion and commitment to your parents and your family. So let's talk about it, you know? And the same thing, uh, the same thing occurred with MMA and the way he, you know, he would win money and just, here you go, mom. Here you go, dad. That was an interesting He almost seemed like he was angry because of like, his father's decisions, but it wasn't like a an anger. Like he was, uh, it was just like a disappointment almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was how. So how was how was getting into that when you guys found all that out and had that dynamic? Did it change like the tone of the film at all, or did you guys? Because to me, it was kind of weird at first to have that thrown in the film and, and the religious aspect, mm-hmm. but it all makes sense because the cultural there's a lot different here and that's very important to the, the family aspect so were you expecting to get these like family issues so heavy when you, when you went in with them like because you said that when you brought on uh, mma you wanted to be the champion of what's called cool. well let me ask you peter because that that was like you know when we were doing this this movie you he was peter was a big part of the edit and and also a, a really great influence as a experienced storyteller so i think that what when, when it came down to that scene in particular i think we all kind of had our own thoughts on that and i think that you know um what did you think about that scene well i think you had very well covered the a story right mm-hmm. the competition right. but if you don't understand what's driving somebody what's motivating somebody. Um, it's not as interesting. In MC, you had wanting to come out of poverty. But MMA is another super relatable story to me because a lot of us might feel pressure from our parents to take the road that they want us to take. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's going to college or being a lawyer, being a doctor. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to pursue music. They want to pursue writing. They want to pursue their dream, whatever that might be. And so that's a very relatable pressure to have and a difficult one to have to show up and compete and practice every day in the back of your mind, knowing that you're probably letting down your family, you're letting down your father, your father doesn't approve of you. And so that just dimensionalizes the character. And I think in his case makes him very likable because he, you know, struggled with it, um, but tried to return home, still gave money when he could tried to participate. And also I think is inspiring because he did cut his own path. You know, a lot of us, don't do that. You know, we'll, we'll kind of, and that might blow up eventually. You know, if you don't choose your own happiness, your own bliss, your own path, um, 
it's fine if you want to do that career, but if you don't, it's it's going to manifest. And he did, and I and and I and I understand why. And then you know the film has a nice bit of closure where that's concerned, where the father opened up to John about how he really feels, and that kind of shows you know the pride of the father. Um, but in the end, to hear that he's really proud of him. So he opened up to you personally. Well, he opened up in the interview to say that, but it's like he's not saying it directly to his son, but he kind of says it to him through the film, which is also pretty classic. You know, you you learn later in life, like, oh, your dad used to always brag about you. You're like, really? He never said it to me. You know, it's like they say it to other people. Yeah, because it's your father and you want to be proud, and that was a difficult thing. And plus the pressure of the military there is very real, yeah. and you can only defer it for so long. Yeah, he was, that was... And that's was knocking on the door. Not do the mandatory service. You no. Nope. So you can delay yeah. it for like as long as you, I think right up until the he was right at the end. Like yeah, that was it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Twenty seven. I yeah. think twenty seven. It was literally right there. Yeah. Yeah, and that was also very. And so did he? He, so he do his service and is out. Yeah, he's all done. So he's, he's back finished. and he's going to make an, another crack at it. But it's so, also a credit to them. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, this was a long, mm-hmm. this was a yeah, long, long time to get made. So yeah. That, you were mentioning the process and, and kind of going through uh, your own roller coaster of uh, having the film even be put out. Uh, what what lengths did you have to go through, and what was like the biggest struggle? Documentaries are labors of love. I mean, you know, getting them financed. You know, originally we were financed through a, a company that I was working with, and then that company uh, fell apart. So then you're you're only a little bit on the way of the journey, and then you lose all of your funding. So then we were fundraising. Then I was funding it for a while personally, to keep which going. is like a no no. Because you, which is a total no no. It's a total no no. We couldn't stop the train because I know if you kind of stop and say, "Oh, we'll get to it later," yeah. they're dead. You have to keep the heart beating of the movie at least a little bit. So we were able to scale down and just keep editing and, and, and push. And then we were able to raise some more money and some finishing. And that took a long time. And it takes a lot of effort. So uh, they really are labors of love. There's there's nothing kind of Hollywood sexy about the making of those <laughs> yeah, movies at all. It's the donkey. They're, uh, business. they're quite unglamorous and quite stressful. But, you know, if you believe in the story and you want it to be told, you kind of find a way to get it done. So being released on uh, June 12th, when did you guys start? When was the start date? So how long in total from the start to release? When, when did you first talk about it? It was in... It covers the 2014... Was it in Dallas? Episode. No, New York. It was in New York, yeah. right? Yeah. It was, uh, God, I don't know. Probably it's 2012. Because 2012. We, well, we first spoke about the film. Yeah, 2012. And now we're sitting here, yeah, six years mm-hmm. later. That's awesome. And it's a labor of love, and I, I think it was done beautifully. And the promotion that you guys are doing for it seems pretty uh, it is a gaming-centric uh, documentary, mm-hmm. obviously. It's centered on the gaming lifestyle. So instead of, like you were telling me prior to this, instead of going your traditional route, you guys are going festivals, you guys, or uh, gaming festivals, you guys are hitting the gaming community by the mm-hmm. because it does highlight them too. Uh, and then kind of going on the traditional route. It'll be available on Amazon Prime, uh, Google Play, iTunes, and Vudu on June 12th. Uh, so what prompted you guys to go the kind of off the beat path and kind of go the other direction and attacking, you know, obviously it's a gaming central film, but was that a strategy that you guys kind of developed at the end? 
of promotion? I mean, not or the end Somewhat. of wrapping uh, it up and getting ready for promotion, or was it something that you? It's also a celebration of gaming, so mm -hmm. it was important to share it with the community. Okay. You know, so we were in Katowice, Poland, and um, had 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 sort of shared it there, and and then to be here um, in Austin at DreamHack, it's it's you know you want to share it with the people that also were a part of it and are a part of the community. Right. I think in many ways first. And um, fortunately, the response has been really positive. Yes, and then we'll take the momentum of this and then roll it into more. Yeah, the timing's great. They have the StarCraft, the StarCraft set up. The 20th anniversary, yeah. and, and well, Blizzard our, loves the movie. Get our work. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually, we were doing the, the world premieres tonight. So at 8.30, we're going to we're gonna be screening this movie here. So that's going to be a big, you know, that's going to be a, a fun thing to, to do, to see that. Here's the StarCraft fan base. And the buzz is there, too. Everybody's talking about it. I told you, we've seen everybody in some sort of literature on the flyers. Mm -hmm. uh, people are really, really excited for it, and it's because it is an amazing film, and I appreciated it. I appreciated it as a piece of work, a labor of love, and uh, to be honest, I'm not the biggest in the esports. He's more of a gamer and an esports fan than I am, uh, and it grabbed me just because of the storytelling in general. It's an amazing film. Oh, that's great. Cool. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We man. appreciate you guys doing this. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so the where you guys, where everybody can find it, obviously Amazon Prime, Google Play, iTunes, Vudu, June twelfth. You can pre-order now. You can pre-order now on iTunes, correct? And you can get a discount get on the uh, movie. So grab it out. That's right. Yeah. So you get a discount yeah. If you pre-order now, you receive it on June twelfth. Uh, websites, anything that you guys can cross out for the Well, world? it's Game Changers Dreams of BlizzCon, and you can get us on Twitter. We use that a lot, uh, at Game Changers Doc. Uh, also, Game Changers Doc on Facebook. So it's pretty easy to use those. And yeah. Um, Where can they find you guys at? Do you guys have social media? Uh, not really. I don't, I don't really use We're it. We're really using the film. Yeah. Uh -huh. From the standpoint, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, if you guys are here attending, Go to the debut tonight, 8.30, you said, right? 8.30 tonight, 8 yeah. 8.30. Main uh, stage. We're actually going to do an interview tomorrow yeah. with MC and MMA. Uh, obviously, going to be based around their gaming and what the future holds for them. Thank you guys again. We appreciate you coming in and doing this with us. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you.